Well, please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. We'll be considering verses 37 through 42. Luke chapter 6, verses 37 through 42. We are continuing our way through uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Plains. If you recall, uh, verse 17 of this chapter, Jesus has come down from this mountain and Luke gives us this detail that he stops on on a level place, hence the name Sermon on the Plains. And this sermon extends from chapter 20, verse verse 20 through verse 49 of Luke chapter 6. This evening we'll be considering verses 37 through 42. Please turn your attention now to the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Jesus says, judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone, when he is fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. Well, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May he write this word upon our hearts this evening. Well, this sermon of Jesus is quite extraordinary. He began this sermon by declaring these blessings, these beatitudes upon his people. That our blessedness does not reside in what's going on currently in our life, whether it be good or bad, but it resides in something much greater, our membership in God's kingdom. And then Jesus goes on to instruct his disciples about the ethic of the kingdom. If we are members of the kingdom of God, how then shall we live? Sort of like your first day in the job when you are instructed, taught on how you should conduct yourselves in this new position, in this new company. Boys and girls, it's like your first day of school as you go through the rules of the classroom. Jesus here is giving us this ethic of the kingdom. Last week, Jesus told us that we are called to love our enemies. Pray for them. Bless them. Do good towards them. And now Jesus is zeroing in a a little bit more specifically on this this issue of love. He's focusing on our relationships within the kingdom of God, within the church. In verses 41 through 42, you'll see that Jesus refers to brother, likely inferring that he's, he's referencing people within the kingdom, within the church. Well, we're sinners. Everyone around us is a sinner. So what do we do? How do we handle the sin that we are confronted with in other people's lives? 
Maybe we're sinned against. Maybe we see someone being sinned against. How do we deal with this in our personal relationships in the, the kingdom of God? Or to put it another way, to judge or not to judge? That's the question that Jesus is, is putting before us this evening. In the Christian world today, there are individuals, churches on both sides of this issue. We can probably think of examples. Individuals and churches who are quick to judge, quick to condemn, and take out every little speck in everybody's eye. But on the other end of the spectrum, there are individuals, churches, who will, will never cast any judgment, won't call sin to be sin. So how do we answer this question, to judge or not to judge? Well, Jesus, as the preacher of this passage, answers this question in three simple ways. He first tells us that we are to listen to his instruction. He is the teacher when it comes to this issue. So we are to listen to his instruction. But what instruction are we to heed? Well, he tells us that we are to be quick to forgive, give, and confess our sins. And we are to be slow to judge. So we are to listen to his instruction. We are to be quick to forgive, give, and confess our sins, and slow to judge. So let's first consider Jesus' point that we are to listen to his instruction. If you look with me in, in verses 39 through 40, Jesus gives these two warnings about who we are to look to for guidance, for instruction in this life. And he uses two illustrations to make this point. In his first illustration, he, he says that a poor leader will lead his people into destruction. He says this in verse 39 as he says, he also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they, will they not both fall into a pit? Jesus is appealing to common sense wisdom. If you have a group of blind man, men with a blind leader and there's a, a great cliff, a great pit in the vicinity, it's probably not going to end up well for that entire group. What he's saying is that if we look to a person, ideology, or movement that is corrupt, it's going to lead to ruin and, and destruction. This is common sense wisdom Jesus is giving to us. Who is your leader? Well, the second warning, the second illustration that Jesus gives us is that students become like their teachers. Verse 40 says, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Some of you probably are familiar with the late R.C. Sproul, a great popularizer of Reformed theology in our day and age. I remember a while back listening to a, a lecture by one of his own mentors, a, a professor he had while he was in seminary in the early 1960s, uh, this Dr. John Gerstner. I remember listening to a lecture by him thinking, is this Dr. Sproul or is this Dr. Gerstner? Because the mannerisms, the expressions, the inflection of his voice sounded exactly like Dr. Sproul. Like student, like teacher. A student, when he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. 
This isn't just true in a pupil and, and teacher relationship, but it's also true of, of children and parents. We probably have similar mannerisms, personalities, interests as, as, parent, um, as our parents, or even within our friendships. Jesus' point here is, is what, he's wanting us to consider who is our leader, who is our teacher, who are we looking to? And the answer to this question is, is himself. He's wanting his disciples, and by extension us, to look to him as our leader, to look to him as our teacher. And in context, he's probably contrasting himself with the Pharisees. He's warning the disciples not to look to the the Pharisees for instruction when it comes to kingdom living, as it were, but to him. And we too can be tempted. It's not going to be the Pharisees that we're tempted to look to, but we can be tempted to look to other avenues, other sources of wisdom when it comes to our personal relationships. Some sources can can, can be not helpful whatsoever. Even the good sources, Jesus wants us to look to him first. His word, his law as, as a means of instruction for us as we seek to conduct our lives within the kingdom of God, within his body. Therefore, the first step in this argument of Jesus is he, he's wanting us to be convinced of his own authority as our teacher to instruct us when it comes to this issue, to judge or not to judge. Well, this brings us then to a key question. If Jesus is our teacher, what instruction is he giving us in relation to this question, in relation to how we conduct ourselves within the relationships, within our relationships in the kingdom? Are we to judge or not to judge? Well, this instruction that Jesus puts forth for us is found in verses 37 and 38 and 41 through 42. It's sandwiched between this call to listen to his instruction. So first, Jesus begins by telling us that we are to be quick to forgive, quick to give, and quick to confess our sins. If you look with me in verse 37, Jesus says... Yes, he says, judge not, condemn not, but positively, he says, forgive, give. He wants us to have this attitude, this disposition of forgiveness in our relationships. This is exactly how we pray each week in our Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Or as Paul says in Ephesians 4, that we are to forgive as God in Christ has forgiven us. God's forgiveness of our sins should motivate us to have this disposition, this attitude, this readiness to forgive in our own personal relationships. Whatever offenses, whatever sins someone uh, does against us pales in comparison to is much, much uh, uh, smaller than our sin before the holiness and righteousness of God. But yet God has forgiven us. 
Now, when we think about this idea of, of forgiveness, sometimes it, it seems antithetical to justice. But as Christians, it need not be. When we think about when, when a, another believer, a, a, someone who's trusting in Christ, sins against us, we know that justice has been poured out upon that sin as Christ died for that sin. And so if God can forgive that person's sins, how much more should we be able to forgive that person's sin? And when it comes to someone outside of the kingdom of God, we know that justice will also be served, uh, poured out upon that sin, whether it be through their own conversion or on the last day. That forgiveness is not, is not antithetical to justice. We entrust justice to a just God. And thus we are able to forgive. And this disposition of forgiveness means we, we're not dwelling upon it. We don't have a, a, a long memory. We're not gossiping about it. We have that disposition, that attitude, that readiness to forgive. To forgive. So we are to be quick to forgive, but we also are to be quick to give, to be generous. Now, when we think of this idea of being quick to give, we probably immediately think of, of fiscally, financially. But let me connect this to what we thought about last week. How do we love our enemies? Well, Jesus was very objective, very concrete. We pray for them. We bless them. We do good to them. And thus, how do, are we generous towards others? Well, we, we, we are called to be generous in, in our prayers towards others. We are to be generous in our words. We are to bless them. We are to reach out to them. We are to be generous in our actions towards them. It's a much thicker view of generosity than, than merely just monetary. Generous in our prayers, our words, our actions. You think about this idea of forgiveness and, and, and giving, generosity. They're both tied to that virtue of justice. With forgiving, we are choosing not to give someone what they deserve. And with generosity, we're giving something to someone that they don't deserve. We're being generous. So they're both tied to that idea, that virtue of, of justice. So we are to be quick to forgive, quick to give, but we also are to be quick to confess our own sins. If you look with me now at verses 41 through 42, Jesus says this. He says, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck that is in your eye. Let me take out that speck that is in your eye. When you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. Now these references to a log, to a speck, they, it's an it's a illustration that Jesus is using. When he refers to a log, it's, in that day in context, this was a plank. This was a big piece of lumber. And a speck was like a piece of sawdust. Now, Jesus, of course, is being hyperbolic, but he's using this image to describe our sin. He's saying that 
all too often we have the big, the big sin, this log that exists in our own heart and life. And our brother, it's just a speck, right? It's a minute sin. But we are blind. We're blind to this log. And we're so keenly aware of the most minute sin in those around us. Just think about this for a moment. Think about your own relationships in your life and how, how often we do this. How often we, we overlook the sin in our life. And we're so quick to point out even the smallest grievance of those around us. I mean, this is our sinful, fallen human nature. But Jesus wants us to flip this. He wants us to be quick to see the log, be quick to confess our own sins, and slow to notice the speck. And this looks like not just confessing our sinful actions, but actually taking time to confess the sinful attitudes which resides under the surface of these actions. You know, as Jesus himself says, out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. Our actions are merely fruit of our current heart condition, our current attitudes. And so when we confess our sins, we're called not just to confess the actions, but the underlying root, the sinful attitude that lies at the bottom. It's not just that we, we said hurtful things, but it may be that we were jealous, we were hateful. It's not just that we acted selfishly, but maybe it's pride, selfish ambition. We are, we are to, to confess, confess our sins specifically. So we are to be quick, quick to forgive, quick to give, quick to confess the own log that exists within our own eyes. And now Jesus says we are to be slow to judge. But again, all too often we get this reversed. We're quick to judge, we're quick to condemn, and we're very slow to have this disposition of forgiveness, very slow to be generous in our prayers, in our words, in our actions, very slow to acknowledge and confess our own sins. This order is very, very important. We to be quick to forgive, slow to judge. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be slow to judge? Let's now consider what Jesus means uh, by this in more detail. If you look with me at, at verse 37, again, the very beginning of this passage, we see Jesus saying, judge not, condemn not. Now, these statements of Jesus are proverbial statements. What I mean by that is they're generally true, but there can be exceptions. This is how the, the book of Proverbs works. They're giving us general, th things that are generally true, but there can be exceptions. They're Proverbs. So Jesus is saying that, that we are to judge not, condemn not, ordinarily. That is, we are to be slow to judge. But there are times when judgments are still appropriate. And Jesus himself says that in this passage. If you look down at verse 42, he says, again, first take the log out of your own eye, that is, confess your own sins, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. 
There is a time and place for a judgment, but it only comes after we are quick to confess our own sins, and by extension, having this this attitude of forgiveness and generosity. However, before we go and and, uh, take the speck out of our brother's eye, we first need to ask whether our brother's speck is a sin that can be overlooked or a sin that should be confronted. The Bible speaks very highly of overlooking an offense. Therefore, we need to balance what Jesus says here about being able to see clearly to take the speck out of our brother's eye with this this other truth that Scripture speaks of, of overlooking an offense. For instance, Proverbs 19.11 says, it is the glory of a man to overlook an offense. The Bible commends this virtue, this attitude of forbearance with the sins of others in our life. So how do we know? How do we know whether the speck that is our brother's eye is, is worthy of, of, of being confronted or should be overlooked? That's a difficult question and a question that takes much wisdom on our part. In order to help us grow in, in wisdom, there's a number of diagnostic questions which a few authors have, have noted, which I think are very helpful in helping us discern this decision, whether it's, it's a, it should be confronted or whether it should be overlooked. I think one very important question is to ask yourself whether in overlooking this offense, will, you, will your relationship with that person be damaged? That is to say, In overlooking this offense, will you grow cold and bitter, emotionally or relationally detached from that person? Will you seek to avoid that person next time you see them? If that's the case, then you need to go and confront that person for the sake of your relationship. Another question is, is is that sin, that speck in your brother's eye, is it dishonoring God? Now, of course, every sin dishonors God. Every sin apart from Christ is worthy of of damnation. But there is still a gradation when it comes to sins. Murder is worse than anger. Adultery is worse than, than lust. And thus there are certain sins that are severe, public, overt, that bring Christ and his church into serious disrepute and therefore should be confronted. And thus, if you are in a situation, in a situation where you have first fostered this, this disposition of forgiveness, of generosity, of confessed your own sins, and have realized this is a situation that needs to be confronted, you are to, we are to do so gently and, and humbly. Listen to the words of James. I love how James puts this. James chapter 2, verse 12. He says, So speak and act as those who are being judged under the law of liberty. Speak and act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. In context, he's contrasting this law of liberty with this law of strict justice. Consider for a moment, how does God in Christ judge you? Is it one of strict justice? Or is it one of of liberty, of graciousness? We read each Lord's Day the law of God, confess our sins. And what do we hear in response? 
Cursed are you because you do not keep every, ta- uh, every, every point of this law? No, we hear that God's gracious and long-suffering, merciful to those who believe. God judges us with this law of liberty. And so James is telling us, now speak and act to others in the same way that God has treated you. This should inform how the manner in which we confront, the manner in which we seek to, to take that speck out of our brother's eye. And this is how we see the gospel motivate us in all of these ob- obligations in this passage. If you look back at verse 37, on first reading, the sound is like if we judge or condemn others, God will be, uh, we will be judged and condemned by God. On the flip side, if we forgive and and give, then God will forgive and be generous towards us. It seems like a a standard of a pretty strict merit. It seems to say essentially what God's law says. Do this and you shall live, or don't do this and, and you'll be judged, you'll be cursed. However, when we read the rest of Scripture, what we learn is that for those of us who are resting in Christ, believing in him, we know that God has judged Christ for our unloving judgments of others. God has condemned his son for our condemning attitude towards others. God has forgiven us in Christ, even though we have been unforgiving towards others. God has been generous towards us even though we've been stingy towards one another. In fact, in verse 38, this this reference of of, um, measuring out and and such is a a reference to this overflowing bushel of grain in that context. It's it's pointing to this overwhelming generosity of God that's displayed towards us. And thus, as the recipients of this lavish grace, this lavish mercy, we are called to extend this same graciousness to those around us. So brothers and sisters, it's it's so important that we fill our sails, as it were, with this gospel motivation of what God in Christ has done for us, that we may be propelled forward to be quick to forgive, those around us, quick to be generous in every way and quick to confess our sins and thus slow to judge and condemn those around us. Let us pray.